Hi, I'm Cameron. And I'm Dominique. We both work for Starting Right Now, also known as SRN. A lot of times, homeless youth are spoken for. Often, people assume what homeless youth would need, and I want homeless youth to be able to speak for themselves. We're getting ready to blow up the best kept secret, beautiful unaccompanied youth. On this episode of Raising Me, we're talking with Brandon. There's like a sense of bond that people have when they've went through some things in silence. I think it's even closer to family than what I've ever had before. It may have hurt, but it made me who I am today. Now through trials and tribulations, I still celebrate. Cause I'm starting right now. I'm starting right now. This podcast is so fitting for Brandon because I remember when you first came into the program, you were set that you were going to share what you wanted to share, when you wanted to share it, how you were going to share it, and the platform that you were going to share it on. Um, And so this is very appropriate that Brandon gets to use his voice to share his story however he wants to share it. How come you agreed to do the podcast? Well, first I thought it would be fun, (laughs) but um, I also wanted to be able to speak and, like you said, speak for myself instead of other people speaking Mm -hmm. for me. I'm glad you feel entitled to do that. Mm -hmm. Plus, I like speaking. (laughs) Do you remember the day you started in starting right now? Yeah, I remember um, I was in the middle of, like, I was in the middle of school and then I remember being called up for the signing and then I remember talking and like breaking down (laughs) when I was telling my story and then we went over to my friend my friend's house and then we to collect your belongings yeah got all my all my stuff like a backpack and a suitcase and then we went over there and when I got there like Miss Rita was showing me around the house Mm -hmm. and then there was dishes that weren't done and she was like all right we need to talk to someone about this Yeah, automatically. And um, when we were going upstairs and she was showing me all the laundry room, Juan was there. And then, like, when I was in my room, like, everyone came in to talk to me, this and that. They're all really nice. And uh, that was my first day. I just had the impression of everyone wanting to talk to me. Everyone was really nice, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It was an interesting day. So you moved to Florida four years ago. Um, and then you said by the time you got an SRN, you were living with your friend. How come you weren't with any family? Um, Who did you move here with? First of all, it should be the first question. I moved here with my mother. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like a big ordeal. Well, not really big. It was like three days. It was between three days when we decided, like my mom decided, hey, we're going to move to Florida. We packed all of our stuff up from my um, ex-stepdads. We went over to my aunt's place and we stayed there for the rest of the three days. And then we literally packed our car full of stuff, lost some stuff at my grandma's and drove down here. Mm-hmm. And when we got here, we stayed at my uncle's place for a month. But uh, my mom and my stepdad had some issues and my mom wanted to get away and she thought like we went on a vacation a while back to Florida and she's like I like this place Mm -hmm. so when the time came she decided hey let's move to Florida and when we moved down here I remember it was really cramped and I was living in my uncle's place Mm -hmm. with them so you and your mom were living with your uncle and sleeping in a living room 
Yes. Okay. But you said that was for a month. Yeah. Well, around a month. It might have been longer. And so then where were you after that? My mom got a place to stay. There was this apartment complex that was near my school. So we decided to go there because it was easy for me to go to school and she could focus on finding like, well, she already had a job at that point, but like she just wanted me to be close to my school. You said when you got into starting right now, you went to pick up your stuff at your friend's house, right? Yeah. So how'd you end up at your friend's house? Me and my mom started having some issues and then she ended up being uh, like she couldn't afford to pay for the apartment complex anymore. So we went and uh, we're staying in the hotels, like hotel hopping near where she worked. So did you decide to leave her and go to your friend's house? Like how'd you end up with your friend? What happened? Um, Me and her boyfriend really didn't get along and being cramped up into a small space 24 seven because he didn't work at that point in time and uh, it, it just got to a point to where I was so stressed out that I like reached out to my friends and asked. But um, So it was you, your mom, and your mom's boyfriend sitting in a hotel? Yeah. Wow. I say hotels, but I mean more like motels, like mm-hmm. places you go. It wasn't really nice per se. Like mm-hmm. there's two beds side by side and then like a TV with cable. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then why were you hopping? Because why wouldn't you just go to a motel and stay there? because my mom couldn't like pay for all of it at a certain point. So we had to move out into our car for like a day and then we'd move to a different one. That's where like my breaking point was. And immediately when we got back, that's when I started calling everyone. Mm-hmm. And, like asking around, hey, I, I don't think I can take this anymore. Can I stay on your couch? Can I stay on your couch? Something. Mm-hmm. And it was my... Um, it's so one of my friends who had already graduated like the year before, but he was, um, he only lived with his mom. Like his mom was like a single parent too, but they're pretty okay well off. So like she let me stay there and that kind of stuff. And I stayed there for a little while. My mom dropped me off there like on her way to um, her boyfriend's mom's house and dropped me off with all my stuff that I had when I went to starting right now. And, um, she literally didn't even check to see if like this was the right house or anything or like meet my friend's parents who just dropped me off and left. So who ended up introducing you to starting right now? So what ended up happening was those people that I like back in the first like uh, friend place, I couldn't really talk to my, um, or at least I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone at my school because uh, like I, it was outside of the school zone. Like I was walking two hours each way every single day I went to school because it was that far away. So you're spending four hours of your day walking? Yes. Wow. It was in the middle of the rainy season too. It was what time did bad. school start? At that time around, I want to say 825. <laughs> so what time did you have to leave home in order to get to school on time? Like six. And were you going to school every day? Every day. Through every day. So every day you got up in the morning. Yeah. Why? Walking at 6 a.m. Because I needed to go to school. It's how I was going to be able to have a life and stuff. You need to be able to go to school to get an education in order to actually be able to get a job or something like that. So you can't skip out on school. And I didn't have any other options, so I went to school. That's very impressive. 
what were you thinking when you're, as you described, your mom drops you off at your friend's place without even checking to see where mm-hmm. she's dropping you off? At that point, I was honestly so happy to get away from her that I didn't, like, think about it until, like, three hours later. I was like, wait, she didn't even, like, come in and check or anything. She just dropped me off. And were you seeing her while you were staying at these other um, places? The condition was that I would text her, like, every day, and then she wanted us to meet up, like, to have dinner or something every now and then. I think she was just a little bit happy to have me out of the house anyways. I think someone listening... I might not understand how that is even possible. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think we should talk about that a little bit more. Like the idea that your mom is dropping you off at a stranger's place. Um, Or was it a stranger? Was it someone she knew? It wasn't someone that she knew like at all, but it was someone whose house I've went to before because I'm a bit of a nerd. So like as, (laughs) as a hobby, I mean, that friend and a couple of others who were like also in that grade uh, that I was in the friend group together and we'd go to his house to play in D&D because everyone else's parents were either strict or like didn't really want a bunch of sweaty nerds in their house. <laughs> but um, but I mean, I've heard enough of these stories to, to have heard this situation before where like for whatever reason or a number of reasons, the collective decision is that what is best is that the student becomes separated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we should just talk about that some more because it's not talked about. Well, because what's is that you guys were still sort of seeing each other, you're saying. My mom. Why was it best for you to leave her care, her home? Well, that's an extremely long story. (laughs) Like, every time I have to explain this, I have to explain not just, like, my mom, but my mom's parents and that kind of thing. Because my mom didn't have the best parents either, to say the least. Uh, There's a lot of events where, like, my mom, my aunt, and my uncle are all uh, not quite normal, to say the least. Like, they all have their own little issues, like any family will. But, like, a lot of it stemmed from some of the things that happened in their childhood. Mm -hmm. So my mom has this sort of complex where she needs to be a good mom. Mm -hmm. Like... She can't accept anything that she does is wrong in any way, shape, or form. Like, if something happens to her that, like, she did, it's my fault, not hers. Mm. So, say one of her relationships takes a bad turn, and then suddenly it's my fault, not hers, even though it was her relationship. Or... Say I do something and she goes like way out of proportion, it's still my fault. Or say it's just something small and she's had a bad day, she'll punish me for that even though, you know, it's not my fault. She dislikes to take things out on me. She thought I was responsible when I was like bad for um her ex-husband and her to split up. Mm because of some mistakes I made when I was younger, but there was still underlying issues before that, but she didn't see that really. What you just said was very insightful in that the situation you and your mom were in did not start with your mother. Mm -hmm. It started long before even her parents, and these are issues that are inherited in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. It's like just a giant cycle. Like I can, even with my cousins and stuff, I can see how their parents have affected them and how they have been affected by their parents and the issues just keep going and going and going. 
And I just want to say very clearly and explicitly that as my understanding of your story is that none of it is your fault. Correct. I can't imagine how any of it would be if your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, now or then. Now or then, mm-hmm. yeah, because you were a child. That's been my life the whole time. Like, I thought it was normal. Like, um, my mom had me when she was 18, and then, like, when I was younger and stuff, we would move from house to house. She would go from, like, guy to guy, and, like, that's not your typical, like, family situation when you're young like normally you have like a house or this and kind of thing or if it is like relative yeah how did you relative or something Mm -hmm. like from tv from seeing other friends tv other friends that kind of thing and actually i can remember the moment when that happened because we were having a paper like an english class in like fourth grade i want to say where um like, the way it worked at that school, because it was a smaller school, is, like, every single kid would, ha- like, pass their paper, and then that kid would grade it. Mm-hmm. Like, the kid next to me was a little confused by how many houses and stuff in different places where I lived and that kind of stuff. He's like, why do you have, like, this and this? Mm-hmm. Normally, people only have, like, one place. Can I say one thing? Um, I mean, that's a really compelling story that you're describing. But from my perspective, especially after being in working at starting right now for so long, I've learned that, you know, normal is really relative mm-hmm. and the stories are, there are commonalities. They're all unique, but the homeless youth I've worked with have commonalities in their story. And the difference is that your stories are often not talked about. It's not that they don't exist and that they're not common. It's that they're not told, which is very much the motivation for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's all relative. And just because it's the way some people live or it's shown on the media doesn't mean it's how everyone lives. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that for a fact. Like, it's that everyone has, like, different things and different problems, that kind of thing. And like, it is sort of relative. But, like, I don't think that kid ever really – well, he's – an 18 year old by now but like <laughs> I don't think you ever realize that what he said affected me at all mm-hmm. because I didn't say anything mm-hmm. I like this entire like my entire life I sort of like hung back and was a bit more passive and didn't really say anything about what was going on like I remember at one point I didn't have pencils and stuff so I'd always borrow pencils from this particular kid because he was the only one that would actually allow me to have it. The kid uh, who read your no, paper? This okay, was this is a different di- kid. Completely okay. different kid. I like mm. him. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I remember we were at an open house for my school and then that kid points at me and says, yeah, that's the one. And then his dad comes over and asks if I'm okay because like I've been borrowing so many pencils and stuff. It's like a lot of school supplies. And wow. I immediately panicked and ran because I didn't want to have to explain to him, like, why I needed all those pencils, that kind of stuff. It just, it's not something that you're supposed to talk about. So were there other times when, when, were there other signs that people had picked up on about what you were going through and other times when, like, people offered to get help, get you help? There's a couple of times with, like, different friends and stuff where they noticed that, like, I didn't like being home or that kind of thing because I'd always be, like, asking, hey, can I hang out? Hey, can I hang out? And I'd, like, almost never be home. So they'd ask me, like, things about that, but, like, I'd always shoot them down and that kind of thing. I'd always, like, just try and hide what was going on and still get away from it at the same time. So I'd always end up, like 
trying to stay out of the house as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Did your friends, parents, besides the one friend ever ask, like, how come you're always around after school or hanging out on the weekends here? Um, not really, because, mm -hmm. like, um, sometimes those friends would have a lot of different friends that always come in, mm. so their parents never, like, paid attention to who was coming or going, because, mm. you know. Just a group of friends. Yeah. Mm. Besides that guy, I don't think really anyone else has ever, like, come up to me and asked, because I've, you know, tried to keep it hidden as much as possible. Why was it something that you needed to hide? Um... I think there are people listening that would be like, just ask for help. It's sort of like a mental thing. Like, my mom taught me to be big on pride, to say the least. Like, you should always do certain things a certain way because that's how you need to be to be respectful. Like, it was always dressed a certain way because that's respectful. And don't say that that's not respectful. Or always, like, present yourself in a way that other people can accept you. That's what was going through my head the entire time was my mom wouldn't like it, was this or that. Like, it was always my mom being in control of my life even when she wasn't there. But I mean, that makes sense. She's your mom. That exactly. I remember one time it was really, really bad and they left for a hockey game. My mom had this gun that she would keep on her dresser. So... I remember thinking how I didn't think I had any options because of how bad it was. There was nowhere I could go, like, because none of my friends knew what was going on, that kind of thing. I remember sitting there and remembering, I don't want to wait another four years before I can get out of here. I don't want to have to sit and wait through this any longer than I have to. And I couldn't really see anything past 18. Like, I remember when I was younger, like, living to 20 or, like, anything like that didn't really click. Like, there wasn't any game plan for then. There wasn't any way that was going to happen. So it was only, like, the next four years for me mm. in my head. So I didn't want to spend the next four years of my life in that house. So I took the gun off of their dresser and I uh, I sat on their bed and I held the gun to my head and I tried to pull the trigger but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, it was sort of weird but like every single time I'd like tense my muscle to like try and pull it like a flash of like one of my friend's faces would pop up on my head like I remember there was a certain friend of mine that we would just anytime we we're in class we, or like it was getting boring in class we would sit there and we'd draw together I remember his face and then there was the friend of this guy that was really nice in a bus there was my a certain friend that I used to go to his house all the time, that kind of stuff, and I just couldn't do it because I had seen, already seen in like different classes and stuff, like when you kill yourself, it's not just your life that you're hurting, it's mm -hmm. others, and I didn't want to be responsible for hurting someone. I didn't want to hurt anyone. 
I'm sorry that it was so bad that you were considering that. And I'm grateful that you didn't pull the trigger. And also that you had clearly such good friends that you knew cared about you. Um, I feel like something like that's a little relative because like now I'd say I have friends that are much better than even them, but Mm -hmm. those friends were all I had when I was Mm -hmm. younger. So they meant a lot more to me than I probably meant to them. But at that point in time, I didn't want even that to happen, you know, Mm -hmm. because I, um, well, looking back at it now, like I remember there was a couple of people that ended up dying in Alonso when Mm -hmm. I was younger. And I remember hearing the stories of people who were in their class or that kind of thing. And I imagine something like that would have happened because everyone in my school knew me at that point in time. So Mm -hmm. they would always know me as that one kid that was gone, like that seat that was gone. I didn't want, I don't want that to happen. I mean, I'm thankful that you gave your chance a shot at happiness um, because I'm making an assumption here but now you can see your life past 20 years old, past 18 year old. I can see my life past, actually I can probably see my life to 40 now. That's mm-hmm. it's a lot better. I know that there's a future for me. Mm-hmm. We had a student who, I mean, we've had many students who have talked about their suicide attempts. And I remember one in particular that I will never forget. And she, ex- after being in Starting Right Now for a couple of years and talking about it, really working through it, she now realized that um, taking, she thought at the time that taking her life would have ended any chance for her life to get any worse. And now she realizes that actually taking her life would have ruined any chance for her life to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is essential there is hope. Um, a belief that you have, there is a will and you have the way to make your life better. And I could understand as a child who has no agency that you would feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I hope SRN is doing for the students we help is giving them hope. Do you have any thoughts on that? Actually, I think being a student in the program for as long as I have, I think I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. Like, not just in myself, but some of the other kids. Like, there's a couple of them that, like, when they got here, they'd act a certain way. Like, they would be sort of rough and, like, don't touch me, where they wouldn't want anyone to be around them, they wouldn't want to hang out with people or do anything. And slowly over time, as they got to know people better and as they had those classes and those things that like sort of brought people together and like sort of taught them some of the things that we missed, like some of the um, mindfulness class, that kind of class, sort of helped a lot of people. And then some students, like, they'll say it's stupid or that kind of thing outside of class. But poetry (laughs) class, like, even with me, it helped me find a way to express myself without actually, like, oh, it just felt like I didn't have a way to get anything off my chest or that kind of thing. And then poetry has helped me do that. And I feel like your classes and the classes that they give us and just the general experience of being with other people that have went through the type of thing that we have went through and having people so supportive around us really helps give people that hope. 
I feel like over the last year that we've known each other, you've worked really hard on restoring hope within yourself. Did you have a moment this year where you just thought, okay, this is where my change is happening or like this has impacted me most, maybe a class or a moment with a peer? Being specific, there is one, one staff member, well, sort of staff member, one teacher that I look up to and like the most, mm -hmm. and that's Dennis. Knew it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we all love him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But specifically because Dennis introduced me to, like, reintroduced me to poetry. Because I did a little bit when I was younger, but I really wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. And, like, I had always wanted to be a writer when I was younger because books were a sort of escape that I like to use. And um, when I started doing poetry for, with Dennis, like, I liked it a lot in the class that we did, even though it was literally the first class that I was here for. Mm -hmm. But um, talking to him, he introduced me to a different, like, sort of, program that he like has friends in who are adult poets and that kind of stuff and then got me really into poetry and I'd say that poetry is the thing that's impacted me the most because it's given me something to like express myself with and helps me talk about the uh, worst emotions I've had and that kind of stuff and explore them just get things off of my chest I think we should talk more about your time in starting right now we kind of talked about the first day at the beginning. How did it feel living at Haven Poe, the housing facility where y'all all live? Every single person in there contributes to like the community in a way. Like there's like a sense of bond that people have when they've went through some things in silence. And then now that we're there, that we know other people have went through hard things and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff that you can't really find anywhere else. It's really hard to explain, but like even just hanging out in the living room or like playing basketball or going off to Publix to buy like some food or stuff for the day, that kind of stuff. Like it's sort of like a friendship that's deeper than what I've had before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, even closer to family than what I've ever had before in my entire life. I'm glad to hear it. That's breathtaking. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I'm not sure people would understand unless they're told explicitly is that the students in Starting Right Now are homeless, unaccompanied youth. You were, at the time of entering Starting Right Now, you were had been couch hopping and were mm -hmm. living at your friend's house. It's like you are not with family. You are alone. You are a high, a high schooler alone, mm -hmm. um, which is a very specific experience and in addition to not having your basic needs met, being alone, I just imagine as being an added, just complicates things a thousand times more. You said something that I think is very interesting that adds on to what Cameron just said. You said um, it's a deeper bond when you experience something in silence and then you come in and there are these other people who have also experienced these traumas in silence. I mean, do you, did you just walk in and know, like, oh, these other kids went through stuff? Or was it over time you kind of started to share what was going on? Well, it's a little mix of both. Because, mm -hmm. like, when you get there, you definitely feel like there's something there. Like, it's hard to explain. Like, people will be a little bit more friendlier than you than you're normally used to. Mm -hmm. And then slowly but surely you get into this fold of people and then you know, like, it's like a 
sort of bond like you get there and then you know yes these people have been through like you have experienced some of the same things that you have that have been through some things that most people will never even imagine and then other times like later like whenever i get a roommate like i've had two so far me and then my roommate and then a couple of friends will like sit in the room together and just talk and share our stories and then like after that happens like i've only one of my roommates i only had for three days and i still consider him a deep friend like i haven't talked to him in a long time but that connection is still there and i'm sure like years later when i'm like graduated from college and that kind of stuff and far away from that and I'm still gonna be thinking back on these people that I met and our experiences together and know and hope that they're doing okay and still sort of have that friendly connection to them like if a student from SRN like came to me years later because somehow something else went wrong I would literally let them live with me for however long they need to like it's deep connection. I don't know really how to explain it, but it happens. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's one of the things I'm most proud about the program is that when I look at the cohort of students, our beautiful starting right now community, even the staff too and the mentors, is that it's a collection of people who are very kind and generous and empathetic to other people's stories, mm-hmm. which I think is really what the world needs. And like, as a collective, we offer for each other love and belonging mm-hmm. so that hopefully none of us are alone. Mm-hmm. Do you want to There's, talk about your relationship with uh, Steve? Oh, um, yeah, sure, I'll talk about Steve. Um, so Steve is your mentor. Yes, Steve is my mentor. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first thing I should talk about. <laughs> well, yeah. just every student in right now gets a personal mentor. Right. Steve is your mentor. I know this guy is someone that want to help me and that like I don't know how to put it it's like with most people I'll have like a guard up like most mm-hmm. most of the students when I come first have like a guard up that kind of thing but with Steve I can tell that I don't need a guard mm-hmm. and is someone that I can talk to about different things and it's very comforting like if I'm having issues with someone, I can like vent to him or that kind of thing. Or if I'm having problems, I can vent to him and he'll help me try and fix it. Did that instantly happen or was that something that happened over time? It slowly happened. Like it took a little bit, but after like going out to eat for a couple of times or like just me going to meet his family or that kind of thing, we slowly developed that sort of connection where I know he has my back if I really need it. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely your advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, were there signs at Alonzo that educators or someone could have asked in order to help you? Yeah, because I remember there's been a couple of times where I've been too stressed out to sleep or the mm-hmm. different kinds of things where, like, whatever the reason, I couldn't fall asleep at the house or I didn't really want to sleep at the house. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to school and there was a certain period every day where I just fall asleep mm-hmm. every single day. Like, it's not something that I'm proud of, but it is something that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're exhausted, you got to sleep. Yeah. And so, what did that teacher say or do? He sort of brushed it off as me being lazy or you're playing too many video games when... In reality, it wasn't. So she could have just asked if I was all right or, well, no, she couldn't have. But 
it's a hard thing to like go through because if you were to ask them like someone like me I would immediately be like no no I'm fine I'm sorry I'm sorry I make excuses because that's what I've been trained to do mm -hmm. but she could have like made a note of it and talked to somebody like there is a uh, art school social worker is an amazing person mm -hmm. and she uh, she probably could have gotten me to talk about it because that's the type of person she is she's like I don't know how to describe her, but she has a way where she can, like, disarm all of those things that, like, she's like Steve, actually, where mm -hmm. Steve can make me bring my guard down, like, and he did that over time, but she could do that within, like, a couple of, like, 30 minutes. She mm -hmm. could get me to, like, put my guard down, and then I'd probably have talked to her about it because my social worker is awesome. She is awesome. I love her. <laughs> um, where are you going now? Yeah. Um, I'm in actually two days. I'm going to go to college, uh, St. Leo. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. two days. Two days. Two days from now. How do you feel about that? I'm a little stressed out because, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's college. But I'm also excited. I want to see what all I can do, what friends I can make, what problems I can have, what <laughs> things I can Will I can you still be into. in starting right now? Yeah, I'm still going to be in starting right now. Good. Bingo. The thing that I love about college, in theory, not always, it does, this, well, this doesn't always happen in practice, but in theory, is that it is more than any other setting, a mix of both the most different and diverse people you have yet encountered, and also the most like-minded Mm -hmm. And so I'm very excited for you to enter this space and meet new people who are different and diverse, but also have similar goals. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about starting? Yes. What are you most looking forward to? Um, if I'm being honest, yeah. the library. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Spend all your time at the library. Because <laughs> you want to check out books? Yeah, I want to check out books. And I saw a little bit of a writing thing that they do there, so... Yeah, because now that you've that. started your new passion in poetry, you can extend that into college. Yep. That's awesome. Should we have um, him read a poem? His poem? Oh, yes. Yeah. Read your poem. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, you know I get excited when I remember. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. This head is not a home. My head is a house. There are different rooms for different things. A room for joy. A room for sadness. A room for rage. But no room for you anymore. My room for joy has dwindled to a quiet cabinet. My sadness has three spare bedrooms and feels here to stay. My rage room has been boarded up for a while. All because I let you be the architect of my life. Every choice I made was wrong, no room for what I wanted. The decorations I picked weren't up to code. You locked what made my house a home away. The ghosts of the past haunt the halls of my head. You didn't let me see the plans till my house started to rot from the inside out. The pipes burst and my head got flooded. I was drowning on the inside. I felt like a tool in your belt, meant to be used and tossed away when I finally break. Then you slipped up, let me out of your grasp, and somebody else picked me up, showed me the truth. Your code is outdated. People have the houses I want. And without you, I will too. It'll take some work and some help, 
but I'll banish the ghosts, rebalance joy and sadness, destroy the rot, focus the rage, return this house to a home, and leave you behind. Ooh. Very good. You're very talented. Very talented. Thank you. Thank okay. you for uh, sharing that poem with us. Um, and I know I stressed you a little bit by saying, hey, you should read one of your original poems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when did you write that poem? I wrote that at the last Poetry Slam that I was at, one I was at, that I was in, because, um, well, I work best when under pressure and stuff, mm -hmm. but I remember when I was writing this poem, I was back in the place where I was at when I was still living with my mom, back when, um, like, like I said before, how when she would tell me to do something, I would end up going off doing it. But like, it was like her presence was there even when she wasn't. Mm -hmm. Like, so that feeling that I had inside of her house where I was like trapped and I was stuck in that situation, mm -hmm. it felt largely because of her. Mm -hmm. So I brought that in there and then I remembered where I was at now. And then I remembered where I was at with starting right now where, mm -hmm. That's who's helping me. That's help, who, people who've helped pick me up. That's the people who have helped me, that's going to help me focus and rebalance my life is starting right now. I know I've already read it, but I was processing again. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're creating your own home. You deserve that. Thank you. I can't wait to see where I'm at later. Yeah, that was beautiful. If you or a friend have faced serious life challenges or trauma resulting from sexual assault, suicidal thoughts, domestic violence, financial distress, or emotional or situational problems, please call 211 or visit 211.org to find local services and get help today because you matter. If you are a high school student in Tampa Bay and do not have a stable home, or you know someone in this situation, please contact your social worker about starting right now. This podcast is brought to you by Humana Foundation, Hillsboro Education Foundation, and WEDU. If you're listening and want to donate a service or funding, please contact info at startingrightnow.org. Thank you.